0: Well, amen. Derek, thank you for reading for us that hefty chunk. This morning is an overview sermon, so there is no main thesis, there is no uh, main theme other than to remind us where we've been and to highlight and to look forward where we're going. So with that in mind, think of it as a map of a journey where we find ourselves eight chapters into the middle of a 28 chapter book. So you could say, we've only just begun. But it's a good reminder to think back, where have we been? Because if you're like me, who gets to see the preaching schedule, it's been a little while since we've been in Acts. It's been a little while since I've been in Acts. And so it's a good reminder for us all, not just for you, but for me also. So I want us to look at, five core themes that we see through the book of Acts. And so before we get into these five themes, and I'll highlight them as we go, I want us to think about what's taking place. Like think about just the main context of the book of Acts. Derek just read in Acts chapter 1. This is an enormous new reality for the people of God. Jesus Reveals himself by many proofs, Luke writes in Acts chapter 1, and he teaches them before he ascends into heaven. There's no introduction on the face of the planet that can accurately describe that moment, the second person of the Trinity raises from the dead, reveals himself to his disciples, and then gives them teachings for how they ought to live when the third person of the Trinity comes in the person of the Holy Spirit to empower them in such a way that has never been seen on the face of the earth. A power in which all of the prophets of old prophesied who Peter and Stephen pointed to from prophets like Joel, speaking about no longer will person have to go and teach person, but they'll know in their hearts this God because the Spirit has fallen on them. The Spirit has come and indwelled them. Never in the history of mankind has this happened. As I described in one of the early sermons, as one professor I sat under said, that this power, this coming of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit is fresh and new and unprecedented. We've just come off of COVID. Some of us have had COVID more recently than others. So you're like, coming off of COVID, what are you talking about? But we use this phrase unprecedented all the time getting to talk with Miss Kay during that, who'd been a nurse for, I don't want to exaggerate it, but a long time. There were many things that they saw, and we use this word unprecedented in a way that wasn't helpful. But in this instance, this was unprecedented. The Spirit had never indwelled permanently believers in the Lord Jesus. And yet this is where We find ourselves this new beginning for the people of God under the power of the Spirit. So I want to give you our five themes. Our five themes that we've seen through these first seven chapters of Acts. We've seen resurrection and ascension. Resurrection and ascension. We've seen the filling of the Holy Spirit. We've seen the mission continues. We've seen that while this mission continues, persecution is the fuel. And fifth, we see the eternal and expanding kingdom. Resurrection and ascension, filling of the Holy Spirit, the mission continues. Persecution is the fuel and the eternal and expanding kingdom. When you think about just those themes, that we've seen in the book of Acts, and I'll unpack as we go forward. For us today, in a new year, in difficult circumstances, in an election year, sorry, I said it, there is much that we could be concerned about. There is much that we could worry about. There is much that we could let our anxiety take control of our lives. Yet, in the midst of this and being able to see these realities, these truths and these themes through the book of Acts, I hope that we'll be confident that as the people of God, in the power of the Spirit of God, we would walk confidently. In one sense, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. Why do we have everything we need? Because the resurrection and the ascension. Jesus is Savior and Lord in 2024, just like he was in 2023. To be the disciples, looking up as they've just seen their king in a short amount of time. We're talking 45 days, right? Jesus is resurrected, he teaches the disciples for 40 days, and he ascends into heaven. So in the last 43 days, the disciples have witnessed their king, their master, their teacher, their Lord, be taken, because of the treasonous act of Judas, into this mock trial, found guilty at trial, and then crucified and hung on the cross. killed, laid in the tomb. Perhaps like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said, we had thought, we had thought this was the king. Everything pointed to him being the king. (laughs) And the funny thing is, is that they were talking to Jesus, the resurrected Lord. We can walk confidently because the resurrection and the ascension. They've listened to Jesus, these apostles, for these 40 days. And now as Jesus gives them this final, the final words of Jesus are to wait, to stay in Jerusalem, to receive power when the Holy Spirit descends on them and indwells them. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of of the earth. You'd be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascends. Jesus ascends. Again, their teacher, their instructor, their brother, their fellow disciple, their friend. (laughs) What would you do if that happened to one of us? one thing we could be sure of there would be a special on the history channel next week about aliens no doubt but jesus the resurrected lord must retain his throne so he goes and he ascends to the throne on high and everybody's doing exactly what you'd imagine them do I love watching planes take off and planes land, but seeing a person just go up into heaven, that would get me on a different level. And they have to be reminded by this angel, which makes total sense. Just as he's going up into heaven, he's coming back. What's the reminder? You can walk confidently because you have the power and the spirit, but also walk quickly. Take care of your business. And this isn't get your final will and testament in order. This is, you've got a task at hand, boys. Ladies, you've got a task at hand to be his witnesses. Because just as miraculous as his ascending into heaven will be his second coming, where he will not come to save the world. He will come to judge it. So we walk confidently, but we walk quickly. We walk purposefully because we have a mission to fulfill the resurrection and the ascension. Secondly, we see the filling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, this new and unprecedented reality for followers of the triune God. They would be filled with the Holy spirit and the first sign of this is not just a mere spark or some mere small response what does it say a wind a mighty rushing wind came in and it what it it caused tongues of fire to exist in the tongues of the disciples to where not, not that they were doing magnificent and marvelous things But what were they able to do? They were able to hear each one's native tongue. Why would that be essential? Because the book of Acts says salvation is available to all who believe. So the spirit comes in this powerful move of God, like this mighty rushing wind, Friends, I don't know about you, but this new year, (laughs) shoot, let's just be real honest. It doesn't matter if it's a new year or if it's just a new day where the clock turns from a.m. to p.m. or vice versa. We need the powerful spirit working in us to not just accomplish the things of God, because if you're walking in your own strength, when I'm walking in my own strength, it's even worse than the Snickers commercial. I'm not the person that God's intended for me to be if I'm not walking in the power of the Spirit. And neither are you. And truth be told, that that may not look that different to us. We may even, if we're being honest, find it hard to tell when we're walking in the Spirit and when we're not. That our life and our walk with the Lord seems so mundane, so normal and ordinary, that we would totally miss it when the power of the Spirit unleashes the same power that it did on the apostles. I want to say something. It's going to sound pretty Pentecostal. But we are talking about Pentecost here in Acts. Perhaps... Maybe, just maybe, the power of the Spirit is intended for us to glorify God in accordance to the Spirit in a new level that we've never known before. This is not mysticism. This is not uh, honky, whatever. This is what if perhaps we've not ever experienced what it means and what it looks like to walk in the power of the Spirit as individuals and as a church. I think the same power that the Spirit had on the day of Pentecost and used and anointed Peter to be able to preach this Pentecost sermon and see thousands come to faith in Christ, I think that power still exists. I think the powerful working of the Spirit and the powerful working of the Word of God can change lives. You ought to believe that too, because it has if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have, by hearing the word of, of Christ, you have called out in faith and you've become this new creation. Perhaps this powerful filling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is meant for us to do big things. Not for our own sake, not for our individual sake, not for our own communal sake as a church, but for the sake of Christ and for the proclamation of his kingdom. Because again, this this almost uh, divine handoff is taking place where the ministry of Jesus is coming in some senses, hear me out, to a close, and that the bodily person of Jesus is ascended to the throne, and the handoff comes, and that He doesn't leave us on our own. He sends us the helper. And there's this animosity or this anxiousness. It would have to be. How often do we find ourselves thinking, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just hear him audibly, man, my life would be totally different if Jesus would just reveal himself in some powerful, miraculous way. Right. I'm seeing people looking at each other. I'm like, I've said that so many times. Lord, you better just show up cuz I'm tired of this walking on my own and stuff. He doesn't leave us on our own. So in the midst of the apostles' anxiety of what is this ministry going to look like, Jesus ascends and he sends <laughs> he ascends and he sends the Holy Spirit to indwell his believers. These followers of Christ who are to continue in this mission, to continue in this ministry. This is point number three. The third theme that we see in Acts: the mission continues. It doesn't stop. The word about Christ doesn't stop because He ascends to the throne. Think about how foolish that would be. We believe that this Jesus is the Messiah, the prophesied one from of old, who will sit and have a descendant on the throne for. he ascends to the throne. Well, he did it. Everything we thought he'd do, he did it. No, the mission and the ministry continues because it's faith in Christ alone that saves. So this mission continues, and it continues in the most unlikeliest way. Not in that Jesus is the personal representation of the work and the kingdom that is being spread, but it happens through the apostles. It happens through the ordinary means of preaching and proclamation. When Jesus tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses, think about when a witness stands trial. They give a testimony or they give a defense Or they give a written statement. There is something that is communicated about what they have seen. And these witnesses of Jesus communicate about what they've seen. Peter communicates about this Jesus. Given over by the religious leaders. Nailed to the cross for the sins of many. Risen powerfully, and ascended to the throne. Peter proclaims the message about Christ. This gospel mission continues, and it continues through these disciples. It's not just the proclamation of the Word. It's also this proclamation of incredible miracles. That as Jesus is pushing back and His his kingdom is expanding, remember this Ministry, Jesus says, wait until you've received power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. One commentator, Patrick Schreiner, says that geography plays a huge part in the movement of Acts. Jesus reveals himself to the apostles in Jerusalem. He tells them to stay in Jerusalem but that there'll be witnesses in Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is a progression from Jerusalem to the surrounding regions of Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Not only does the mission continue, the mission expands. Right. So when we say that we are a church that proclaims Christ and makes disciples in Eastwood and beyond... We don't want to just see people come to faith in Eastwood. We want to see through our giving for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We want to hear about how people's lives have been changed by the power of the gospel to the ends of the earth, in the Asian Pacific Rim, in uh, the United Arab Emirates, in Norway, in Ecuador, in all of the places that missionaries have connected with us. We want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, not only by our means, but also by our mouths. May the Lord raise up in us people who feel so compelled that, like Isaiah, when the Lord asks, who should I call and who will go for me, that we as humble servants of a Savior who is risen and ascended on the throne, has empowered us and sent us with the Holy Spirit, say, here I am. I may not look like much. I may not have much experience. I may not have much knowledge. But what I got, I'll give it to you. Here I am, send me. That the Lord would raise up in us, in our midst, those who would go and share the good news in Eastwood and beyond. Because the mission continues. The mission continues continues. But the mission doesn't just continue amidst thousands being saved by these radical baptisms of hundreds of people at a given time and potlucks with more amazing food than ever. Wow, our church is doing great things. We've got parking lot attendants. They're even on walkie talkies, y'all. And praise the Lord for that. But the message and the the theme that we see throughout the book of Acts is that while the mission continues and the kingdom expands, persecution is the fuel. It's not our effort. It's not the apostles' effort of, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to get close to home. I'll just go to seminary and I'll get a better degree and I'll get better knowledge and this will be fine. Or maybe I'll feel guilty because I don't go to seminary, so then I can't really do that. No, it's not credentials. It's not ability. It's persecution that the Lord uses for the fuel. When Peter and others are put before the chief priests in Acts chapter 4, what are they trying to do? They're trying to silence them. And what do they do? After the Lord miraculously releases them from this, they go back, they tell other believers, and they pray for more boldness. Because they say, whether it's right for you that we be quiet about the Lord, that's for you. But he is our God. And we're going to do what he says. Opposition and persecution mark the book of Acts because it marks the New Testament church. There's one... Pastor Greg Gilbert says, here in North America, we have seen a 380-year vacation from persecution as a church. If persecution is the fuel for the mission to continue, that's why we see underground church in places like China, places like Iran, that are just being fueled because there is a realization that Christianity is not... I want to use a specific church's name, but I need it not. It's not what we think it is. It's not bigger buildings. It's not an 80-foot TV screen where the pastor can do his different thingamajiggets in the background. It's not being streamed on TBN. It's not any of those different things. Perhaps the church of Jesus Christ, both in the first century and today, is one that ought to be open to persecution. As one commentator, Daryl Bach, says, persecution in Jerusalem moves the message to Judea and Samaria as a new witness emerges. Remember what it is. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 is being threatened as he's preaching, and he ends up, as Derek read for us earlier, he ends up being martyred. He ends up being stoned and ends up being killed. And that through his martyrdom and through the persecution that Saul ravages on the church, that is the fuel that causes the church, causes the apostles under the power of the Holy Spirit to progress from just being Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem. For in Acts chapter 8 verses 4 and following, we'll see the gospel and the mission be propelled into Judea and Samaria. We'll see massive gospel influence take place in the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria. And as you might have already guessed, we'll then see it progress even from Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Where we see in Acts chapter 28 God's plan for Saul, now Paul, was that the Gentiles would hear the good news of the gospel. To the ends of the earth. Right? The mission continues. The persecution is the fuel. We can't, as Christians, we can't make this a buffet. That's right. My kids don't like Brussels sprouts. I think my Brussels sprouts are pretty bomb. <laughs> they don't eat Brussels sprouts. You put enough bacon on Brussels sprouts. They're all right. (laughs) Being a follower, a disciple of Jesus is not a pick and choose game where I want Jesus to save me from the pit of hell, but I don't want him to be my Lord and that I have to endure persecution. I want Jesus to save me from persecution. I certainly don't want to endure the same type of crucifixion he endured. So I'll be buddy, buddy with Jesus, as long as he's saving me. But then when he calls me to submission in every which way, I don't want any part. That's not Christianity. And if we're being honest, everyone in this room, whether it's the highest extreme that I've just given, to even just the simple obedience of being Christ's witness in your sphere of influence, we're all guilty. We are all guilty. And what good news that in the midst of this, that we go back to the first theme, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, points us to the person and work of Jesus. This mission can't go on without Jesus. These apostles aren't there without Jesus. This good news is the good news about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's all about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about his spirit empowering his people. Praise be to God that it's about his grace. The good news is the message of grace that while we deserve punishment, we deserve punishment. To the uttermost, Jesus should stiff arm us and say, you have no place here. But instead, in Jesus' life and ministry, he tells the weak and the sinner and the needy, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Friends, that's the grace of the gospel. That these apostles and that Paul this point, Saul, will go and proclaim to those who had forever been stiff-armed by the Jews, by God's people. The message of the good news of Christ is that there's access to you. And the very fact that we're in this room hearing the message about Jesus, walking with Jesus, professing faith in Jesus, is because the Gentiles now have access. You and I have access to this good news. The mission continues, but persecution is the fuel. Fifth and finally, the eternal and expanding kingdom. At the end of Stephen's message, we see that Saul was the one who was collecting the coats of those who stoned Stephen. And Acts chapter 8 says that Saul was approving of it. Every indication of Stephen's death would give the people of God fear and grave concern that this mission is over. Yet, as one commentator, John Stott, says, the devil has overreached himself. His attack led to the opposite effect. Instead of smothering the gospel, it succeeds in spreading it. What do we see about Jesus? Jesus tells a parable that unless the wheat, unless the grain is put in the ground and dies, it can't bear fruit pointing to his death and resurrection many times over with his apostles, with Peter, with others, saying, I must die. The Messiah must die. He says in John's gospel, I'll lay my life down of my own will to take it up again. The same fate of Stephen was secured in Christ's death. And resurrection. While Stephen wasn't resurrected physically, bodily, because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus, because Stephen has faith in Christ the moment that he was killed, eternity with Christ in paradise, the eternal and expanding kingdom. Friends, it's not just on earth that this kingdom will expand. This kingdom will encompass the new heavens and the new earth. Everything that we see, Christ will reign over it. But it's eternal. Think of the sandlot forever. Christ's kingdom day by day is expanding, though we might not see it. Christ's desire for us is that through being his witnesses, the kingdom would expand. And the reality is that while the kingdom expands, it is eternal. It is eternal because as we read with the children Christmas Eve, he is a forever king. Because the promise that God covenanted with David, a descendant of will reign on the throne forever. We see resurrection and ascension. We see filling of the Holy Spirit. We see the mission continuing. We see persecution as the fuel. And we see, fifth and finally, the eternal and expanding kingdom. I want to give five applications, one to go with each note. Five quick applications. Because of the resurrection and ascension, we ought to fix our eyes on our risen, reigning, and soon returning king. We ought to fix our eyes on our risen, reigning, and soon returning king. What's the direct application? Pay attention to what's most important. Pay attention to what is most important. Your walk with the Lord, most important. Your being a witness of Him, most important. Your faithful devotion to Him, most important. Your love of your family, most important. Because of the resurrection and ascension, fix our eyes on our risen, reigning, and soon-to-be returning King. Because what was the reminder? Just as He is ascending, the Son of Man will come again. Pay attention to what's important. Second, the coming of the Holy Spirit provides power to fulfill the mission You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But wait until that power, until you've received it. Direct application, be filled with the Spirit. As believers, we don't have to ask to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit indwells us eternally, seals us as the down payment for what we will attain when we enter into glory. But that doesn't negate the fact that we see over and over in the New Testament Paul especially saying, be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Friend, you can be permanently indwelt by the Spirit and still ask that very same Spirit to work and guide and empower and cause you to do and say things that you wouldn't say and do on your own. Be filled with with the Spirit. Third, Jesus uses the most unexpected means to continue His mission. He uses grody hands like Peter and other apostles to heal countless men and women, to cast out demons, to do all of these different things. The Lord uses the most unexpected means to continue His mission. So whether you think that you are equipped or qualified, the direct application is He desires to use you to change the world. He desires to use you to change the world. As good as these worldly goals might be of humanitarian aid or making wells in unreached areas of the world or All of these different things. The Lord does not primarily desire for you to change the world in that way. He desires you to change the world by being His witnesses. And sometimes in a beautiful way, those two things align. But He desires for you to change the world through your testimony, your proclamation of the gospel. Fourth, opposition and persecution fueled boldness. I am very much a fight personality. If it comes down to something sketchy and fight or flight kicks in, I don't know what it is about me, but I turn to fight. I've got some funny stories I'll tell you later. What if there's another option? In the midst of this opposition that the apostles underwent, they didn't choose fight, though Peter wanted to cut off that dude's ear. They didn't choose fight and they didn't choose fight. Flight, but rather they chose another option boldness. Boldness in the midst of opposition and a resolve to not be silent. Direct application don't settle. Don't settle for complacency in your workplace, in your home, at lunch, while you're driving. Don't settle for complacency. Be bold in your witness for Jesus. I don't know if anybody from our community watches our live stream. There was a very small way that I tried to take a stand as a Christian in different things in leading the community. And it came with opposition. And I said, this is me and this is what I'm going to do. And praise be to God that he saw that through. Don't be complacent, thinking they don't want me to say anything in this instance anyway. I'll just be quiet. Maybe it doesn't mean a full gospel presentation like that. Maybe it just means a short, bold resolve to share about the hope of Jesus. Man, things are just looking really bad this quarter, and I don't know how we're going to make it. What do you think? Well... You're right. It doesn't look great. This is not a story about the church, by the way. It doesn't look great. Our profits aren't the way that we projected. But I have hope that if we continue to do the things we're supposed to do, I have hope. What do you do in that moment in your workplace? You start to talk about a characteristic that is Integrally connected to being a Christian. Outside of Christianity, there's no hope. Yeah. Your only hope would be that you get dessert after your meal or that your Christmas bonus is more this year than last year. That inflation doesn't cap over 20, right? Those are such stupid hopes. But in Christ, our hope is that he is sovereignly ruling and reigning because his resurrection really happened, because he's ascended to the throne, I can have hope. Don't be complacent, thinking, I don't have any opportunity to talk about these things. Yeah, you do. Every single moment. Friends, opposition and persecution fueled their boldness. Do we believe that God is in control or do we not? Fear of losing a job is fear. That is real. When you're providing for your family and you're trying to pay bills and you're worried about having to stay silenced because of fear of losing your job, if you don't feel that way, you get get there. Not to trivialize it, but the Lord is sovereign above all. And your call is ultimately not to honor your boss. Your ultimate mandate is to honor your Lord. and His name is Jesus, not whatever your supervisor's name is. Don't settle for complacency. Be bold in your witness for Jesus. Fifth and finally, we need to be reminded of the eternal and expanding kingdom because other kingdoms enthrall and entertain us. We need to be reminded of the eternal and expanding kingdom because other kingdoms enthrall and entertain us. There's a book by the name of Amusing Ourselves to Death where it argues that these medias uh, for the last 30 to 40 years have done nothing but to cause our eyes to be amused to the point where we just waste countless amounts of time. Let's see a case study of that TikTok. Short-form video content, where you can't have anything more than 30 or 60 seconds. These competing kingdoms seek to enthrall and entertain us, or they just cause us to waste time that should be dedicated to the kingdom of Christ. We need to see that the kingdom of Christ and our King, Jesus, is worth far more value than any other false kingdom that would enthrall or entertain us, knowing that it only does that for a time. Right? It only does it for a time. Christ is the eternal King. His kingdom is the only one that will stand. And you have been called as a witness and as a soldier of His kingdom not any other. So devote your life to this king and to the expansion of his kingdom. It's going to expand. It is expanding, and it is eternal. It's worth your life. It's worth everything you have. That's what we see in the book of Acts. That's what we've seen in Acts chapters 1 through 7. And as we continue, we'll see continued expanding, enlarging of the kingdom as the gospel moves through opposition and persecution, through Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Praise be to God that the same apostle who was ravaging the church, who approved of Stephen's death, was radically saved by the glory of God to be an instrument so that the Gentiles would be saved. That he would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Friends, the same is true in the book of Acts. And I think retroactively Paul understands that even more now. The gospel is the power of God. Praise be to God for this powerful gospel.